Hi, this is Anishka Fernandopoli. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button under my picture on dharmaseed.org or go to my website, anushkaf.org, A-N-U-S-H-K-A-F.org, and click on donate. Thanks. I appreciate your support. Be playing with, working with is mindfulness of thoughts. So we began with mindfulness of the body, this field of sensations. And we expanded to include also mindfulness of emotions or moods this morning. So in some ways we're moving from something that might be easier to be mindful of, like your footfall or noticing the feeling of your sitting bones on the cushion or chair or bench to something much more subtle and tricky, you could say. But also something that is very, very helpful, very powerful for us to gain some insight into. So you may remember I was talking about the six different sense experiences we have as human beings and how in the Buddhist psychology, Buddhist teachings, the mind is considered a sense field, the same as the ear might be. So when we hear a sound, we can be mindful of hearing, and we can recognize the sound as it arises and passes away. Now with sound, it's relatively easy for us to not believe this sound to be me or mine. It's not owned by you. So it can just be a phenomenon of nature. It can be a happening. And believe it or not, we could actually take our thoughts the same way. So similar to the way that this sound just arose and passed away, at different times there arises in the field of your mind, you could say, various mind objects, which we could call thoughts. And they might vary in content, they might vary in their sense, uh, sensory, seeming sensory nature, but all of them are just happening in the mind whether it's something in words, whether it's a memory of a song or sound, whether it's an image in the mind. So all of these are just mind objects. They weren't invited by you, they just come and go. Well, our habit is to be quite entranced with them. To be totally engrossed in the content of them to identify with them and to believe in them. And there can be so much freedom from gaining some ability to be mindful of thoughts, to be aware of thoughts as a mind object, to be interested in the process by which thoughts come and go rather than the content. 
So our worlds get created by these thoughts. There's a Zen story I like about someone who goes to a cave and they paint a picture of a tiger. And then they look at it and they scream, ah, tiger, and run out of the cave. So what happened? There was no tiger. They forgot they made it up. So you might relate to this in some way. You're sitting here, just breathing, minding your own business. Suddenly some thought arises, some imagining, or something that's of the past. And immediately we're caught in that drama if we don't see that thought as just thought. It's as if whatever it is we're thinking about is happening to us, just like the person who painted the tiger. And then we bounce from tiger to tiger to tiger, from story to story, getting thrown this way and that. Also we can see that all of which we consider to be the past and the future only exists as a thought in the present. There's no past to be discerned except that which we think about in this moment. There's no future to be known except a thought in this moment. So just seeing through that can also bring a lot of freedom, a lot of spaciousness. And we don't have to be subject to all of these imaginary tigers. It's good to be very patient as we're practicing with mindfulness of thought. Because thoughts are very slippery and quick. And our habit of mind is going to be to believe them, to live with them, to inhabit them, and all that stuff. So just be very kind, very patient as you try to practice and learn about mindfulness of thought. So we can play with a little bit as you're sitting here. So if you haven't yet closed your eyes, I invite you to do that. Settle into your posture. We can still use the grounding of the body as we have. So connecting with the experience of the body sitting. Just relaxing the muscles of the face, the shoulders. Feeling the body breathing. So we'll see if we can observe a thought arising and passing away. Just get a handle a little bit on this mind object. So I'd like you to imagine the shoes that you wore here. So maybe an image came into your mind. And then maybe it's already gone. 
So that was the arising of thought, arising of a mind object, arising and passing. It could be there's some residue from that if you either really like or dislike your shoes, but probably that was a fairly neutral object. Now we can try another one. So I invite you to bring to mind your address. This may have arisen as a written image. It may have arisen as an imagined sound of you speaking the address, someone speaking the address. Maybe an, even an image of the residence or apartment. So again, here is a mind object, arisen, passed away. Not you, not yours. You can't even hold on to it if you want to. There's some interaction that happens between thoughts and emotions. So particularly ones that are somewhat sticky for us. So stories that are difficult or stories that have a very positive sense about them. So in some ways we use this in the metta practice in the evening when we imagined a being that we love and then that elicited sense of goodwill. During the day if a thought comes through once, twice, three times. Maybe it's about a problem you have or maybe a memory of a fight you've been in. Maybe something that's a worry about the future. You can see if you can relate to this differently. You could try rather than getting engaged in the content of the thought dropping down into the body, into the heart, the belly. And just as Chaz described this morning, notice if there's some kind of emotional fuel underlying that repeating thought pattern. Could be sadness, could be anger, could be excitement, could be fear. being with that energetic experience as it moves through. And it's possible to allow the thought to be in the background, but not primarily focusing on it. So this too is a skillful way to practice with thought. We've talked about working with pain. There could be a sense of discomfort in the body. 
And at the same time, there's some experience in the mind. There's some narration about it. My knee hurts. I should move. How long will this last? Please ring the bell. You can notice this mental experience, these thoughts are different then, even though related to the experience of the body. Then we can drop into the direct experience of the body. It can actually be more bearable than the thoughts, if we believe the thoughts. So if you're interested in this, you can be curious about this field of the mind. There's a lot of thoughts happening. You don't need to try to pick them out individually, like we have been. You can actually hold the entire field of the mind with a very spacious awareness. Making your awareness as big as this whole room. Just allow the thoughts to pop around however they need to, without needing to Focus on each one or stop them. It's almost like being with popcorn and a popcorn popper. It's just feeling the energy of the whole complex. So not needing to push it away, make it different, not chasing after it. Allowing thoughts also to be part of nature, just as they are. So our goal in this practice is not to extinguish all thoughts, not to get rid of thinking. Thinking is not bad. But we are trying to practice some mindfulness with thinking. Change our relationship to the thinking mind. Maybe even befriend it. And then from here, there's a lot that's possible to learn about different kinds of thoughts, about their impact, those that are skillful, those that are unskillful, those that lead to happiness, those that lead to suffering. You can stay connected to the body, body breathing. I feel like you can be curious and you can imagine that your mind is a blank screen on which these thoughts are getting projected. And just be interested in the process of that happening. See if you can recognize thinking, judging, planning, remembering. If it's helpful, you can even label it like that. And if nothing arises, that's also okay. You miss a bunch of them, that's also okay. 
it gets overwhelming, you'd always come back to staying with the body, the breath, keeping it simple. The thoughts that appear in the screen of the mind are not you or yours. You can even play with imagining that they're being projected onto the screen from somewhere behind you. So just recognizing each one as it shows up, noticing when that goes.
Just noticing where your attention is. Have you gotten lost in some field of the mind? It's okay. Just recognize how powerful that pull is, how powerful that conditioning is. Every moment we notice that is a moment of waking up. Just come back again very patiently, very kindly. Connect again to the body, body breathing. You feel ready to explore the field of thought, you can tune in again very gently. One more way we can play with recognizing thoughts is imagining the mind as a sky, spacious, open. Notice different thoughts or images that come into the mind as clouds floating through the sky. There may be different kinds or sizes, but all of them are just passing through. Just see them for what they are.
So it can be uh, tiring sometimes if you try too hard to catch thoughts because they are real slippery. So you can just rest back. You don't need to make it too big a deal then. But, you know, having some taste of what it's like to notice a mind object as it comes, as it goes, can be very beneficial. And as I said, just be very forgiving, very kind with yourself as you're learning this. And even if you have already learned this through many retreats, we're all still learning this in some ways. So for humans, this field of the mind is, uh, you know, of the different sense fields, say one in which we're usually most invested and it's hardest for us to uh, see objectively, to just see thought as thought. Maybe seeing is next hard for us, right, to just recognize a sight without proliferating on it, but... um, Maybe one way to gain some sense of compassion or kindness for yourself as you're learning this is uh, to imagine, as I sometimes do, if there was a uh, meditation retreat that was filled with uh, dogs, like uh, beagles, for example, who are, uh, like, for dogs, their field of smell is the one that's really, really hard for them to not identify with, right? So particularly these scent hounds, like beagles, or maybe basset hounds, like, you know, if they catch a whiff of something, they just take off following it, you know? Like, it's very difficult for them to be, like, not doing that. They just, like... And then maybe sometime later, you know, they'll be found and come back. So if we had a bunch of uh, beagles and basset hounds here in the hall, you know, they'd be trying to practice mindfulness, and then, you know, maybe they catch a whiff of something, and then, phew, they'd be out the door following that scent, and maybe they'd wake up somewhere up the hill, like, all right, meditating, come back. <laughs> sadly trotting back with their tail between their legs and then like, okay, like breathing, panting, panting, right? <laughs> and then another scent, gone. Oh, man, again, okay, come back, right? So the whole period would be like the dogs coming in and out, like trying to be steady. So you'd have compassion for them, right? Like, uh, like oh, poor doggies, they're trying. They're trying hard. <laughs> it's hard to sit still when there's so many scents happening, right? Now, for most humans, if you smell something, you don't have to jump up and chase it, right? Like, you could be aware, oh, smelling, maybe you would recognize the smell, maybe it's, you know, but... So, yeah, we're pretty much like this in the field of thought. Some thought comes up and we are gone a lot, a lot of the time, you know. We identify with that. It's very difficult to be mindful with that, but it's possible for us to learn. So, uh, can just be very kind, very compassionate as we're developing in this way. So also this field of the mind, as we start to explore it, you know, noticing that thoughts arise and pass, and then uh, even tuning in a little bit to the types of thoughts that come, you can start to notice that the mind uh, has no shame and will think anything. So we might have our appearances of how we want to seem, but the mind is just like, you know, all over the place uh, with memories and judgments and plans and reruns of old shows and whatever, you know. So just being steady, recognizing whether you tell anyone or not that something has arisen in your mind, like, okay, thinking, right? And as you start to tune into that, like how really the the wide variety of things the mind thinks, it can sometimes help to take it with a grain of salt, you know. Like it's it's not true, you know, like a lot of stuff that comes true. It's, it's just not something that you have to believe 
it's some, not something you have to be driven by. And um, you can attend to this in some ways in relationship to the walking also. So you know, I've recommended you do like sitting, walking, sitting, walking like this. And uh, yeah, sometimes on the way to the walking path, the mind will have this idea like, go get a cup of tea. Let's go count lizards. <laughs> or, uh, I'm bored. I don't want to do this. Right. So if we can't see those thoughts as just thoughts, then we can get kidnapped by them. You know, we get driven by them. But yeah, what would it be like if you had some freedom from being driven by whatever happens to arise in the mind? And what would it be like if you were able to recognize like, oh, okay, boredom. All right, let's go walking with boredom. This is what it's like, walking with boredom. Walking with grumpy mind. Don't want to do another walking. I did so many already. Okay, walking with grumpy mind, right? So there's freedom in that. And otherwise, you know, it's almost like if you have like a little kid with you who's like, I want to eat this, I want to go here. And you just listen to that little kid all the time, right? Uh, it's a bad idea to listen to little kids all the time like that, you know. So gaining this kind of spaciousness with the mindfulness of mind can help. And it can actually be fun to start to see the way that the mind works. And uh, very humbling, actually, to see how much we're driven by conditioned thoughts, you know, by habitual conditioned thoughts that uh, arise, many of which have been absorbed from uh, society, from advertising, uh, from our families of origin, from our education, uh, you know, all this stuff. In some way, on a retreat like this, we're on like a Dharma detox diet. So, you know, if you're not actually reading or absorbing other uh, thoughts from other places, then uh, trying to give you a chance to let go of other stuff and yeah, just take in dharma for a couple of days. It's very healthy for the mind, very good. It'll be an environment of uh, relative peace and silence. And that can give this uh, spaciousness to be able to observe this yeah, pretty subtle experience of thought. So we have uh, some meetings with uh, some groups today again. Uh, And if you are in one of those groups also, uh, maybe we can agree that if someone has a group, if they need to go to the bathroom, they can like bow into the line like that. We can let them in. Uh, So yeah, please do come to the groups and come on time. And then... um, Okay, so, uh, yeah, you don't need to go straight at thought like this all the time. It can be very tiring, but, yeah, do keep an eye on that, you know, as you sit and as you walk, just, yeah, noticing even the highest level of it. And also, it's possible to, in some ways, kind of just shift the awareness, recognize when you're getting absorbed in the field of thought, and you can play with seeing, like, okay, can I just leave that in the background? In some ways, like, shifting the awareness. We don't have to kill the thoughts, we don't have to hate them. Just shifting awareness to the body, for example. You know. So it's, it's helpful to develop these kinds of um, practices for one's own well-being. But again, thoughts are not the enemy. We don't need to get rid of them. We don't need to kill them. They're natural, uh, naturally arising phenomenon in the mind. So we're just trying to learn about them, understand how they work and how this uh, world gets created for us through them. Yeah. Okay. Have fun.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.